Hello there and welcome to the Get French Football News Preview Show. I'm Nathan Staples and joining me this evening is Jerry Smith. Well, it's the final preview show of the season because after this weekend there will not be much to preview but with relegation fights happening and plans for next season starting up for some teams there is plenty to talk about but we're going to skip the news for tonight because there's a lot of talking points just to get through and we're going to start Jez with the big news from this week and that is that Rudy Garcia has announced that he will be leaving Marseille at the end of the season it seems more like a mutual decision than anything really see I think he's a so we say jumped before he's been pushed really it seems like and it seems a little bit we mentioned it briefly on Monday although I didn't really dig into it it, it seemed pretty inevitable that was this was happening but in conclusion is this the right choice for Marseille to be making? I think it is I think something has to give um, I'd say possibly it's not the only right choice that, that they should be making but it looks like it is the only one they're going to make um, he, it's, it just feels again like the, the end of the cycle. Um, last year went so well for them. I think possibly, in a way, from Garcia's point of view, I think it almost went too well. I think they overachieved. I don't think they necessarily had the squad that, that should have finished. Well, they didn't finish third, but just off third. They certainly didn't have the squad that, that should have got to a Europa League final. So maybe the expectations were slightly overblown for this season but but still they have disappointed for the most part um and certainly the loss of form of some of the more senior players um at some point you have to put that down to well i mean it's it's a it's, it's the usual thing you have to put it down to the players and the coach but generally it's the coach that, that gets the, the the brunt of it so i don't think it's too surprising and it's not uncommon for, for Garcia to kind of you know, start off at a club uh, like a train and then and then it sort of falls off the cliff after a while. So it's really not a surprise that he's gone, but I think that possibly people slightly higher up than him sh- should have been carrying the can as well. And, and I think Errol and, and Spizuki Zoretta as well are, are really lucky to still be in their jobs. Yeah, it's, it, it always seems like a strange decision, like we, in the sense that Marseille have been very cyclical ever since the French left. Really, and Gar- Garcia has been the the longest reigning manager since then, and I know they they revered Bielsa a lot, but obviously he sort of gave up after a game, and and Michel was a, a pretty much a disaster, really. But I, I, I don't know. Personally, yeah, the results have been pretty awful even since the sort of before the turn of the year. Remember always mentioning that I think it was that game, that sort of gap between November and around February time where they, they barely won a game and that well, torpedoed their season really. But the, the, the recruitment hasn't been great. I mean, they're offering Strutman to a load of Premier League clubs and the prayers that someone could take at least his wages off the books and um, hopefully at least, I hope Ed Woodward's got his fingers in his ears from a personal point of view, but it, it, more, more likely to be up there somewhere else, really, to be fair. So um, it, it's just, that that's the kind of season they've had, though. The, 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 the signings have been dreadful. They've been aiming at the wrong kind of players that we've mentioned time after time that they should be going for young, up-and-coming players. And, uh, and maybe that's the change of direction they have um, this summer, really, that maybe that's, what they wanted to do when they when they can oust Rudy Garcia and, and, and change the direction a little bit. Maybe it's maybe it's him that's been asking for them. We 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 don't we aren't privy completely to something like that. So it'd be interesting to see what they end up doing because it looks like Balotelli's probably going to go, but maybe that's a, the right decision. It, they probably want to cash in on Tovan, but realistically, him and maybe Gustavo to an extent are their only bankable assets unless someone tries to take Bubikar Kamara now, which they'd be pretty they would be pretty dismayed to try and lose that kind of player someone that they can try and build around instead of um instead of um, sort of visiting this cycle yet again because they've been a lot of poor players in there i mean we saw at the weekend there yes they won 5-2 but uh, clinton and g was playing and he looked when you when you're starting players like that, even at the well i know he came on but Players like that come on, and they're not of a Marseille quality anymore. They're, they or shouldn't be, and um, it's sort of the standard that they've dropped to. But the names that are being linked are interesting. It looks like more of the 
uh, compared to at least how Leon eventually appointed, it seems much more like Leon's rumour mill was going, which was um, big names. Uh, Rafa Benitez, Jose Mourinho have all been linked with the job. Uh, who would you like to see take the hot seat at the Villadrome next season, Jess? Uh, well, one, one of the names that's been linked is um, Gabriel Heinze. Um, and I think, I, I have to confess, I haven't, Particularly followed his, his managerial career to date closely. I think he's with uh, Vélez Sarsfeld at the moment. Um, but uh, it's, also, it's always quite nice to, to see um, ex-players and I wasn't saying ex-legends. I'm not maybe he's not legendary status at Marseille, but he was certainly a popular player and certain, certainly a player who you know, I think he played for PSG as well. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to still be popular, having played for both clubs, must mean that he's. he's He's pretty special to Marseille fans. Um, he's a, a young manager. So I think it's you know it's maybe it does feel like across maybe European football that it's it's a kind of again a new cycle in terms of some of the, the older generation gradually losing the bigger jobs and, and more faith being put in the youngsters. Um, he apparently has done well bringing through youngsters uh, where he is now. And as you said, I think that's going to be an important thing for Marseille. I think there was, there was talk of the need to, to invest more in youngsters anyway, but I think in a way that the fact that they haven't qualified for Europe maybe is a blessing in disguise because they can't waste money on, on, on sort of past it 30-year-olds and maybe they have to look more as either investing in or bringing through their, their, their younger players. Um, so I think that one could be could be exciting. He's always a bit of a character. Again, you, you, you probably know more about him than me from his time at United. But um, uh, I'd like to see see him just because it's a new, different name and, and you know a well-respected footballer, uh, a past league and player. I think it would be quite nice to for him to come in and, and hopefully do well there. Yeah, and it makes, I suppose, comparing it to Leon as well, it makes a little bit more sense. At least he has taken uh, coaching jobs, whether they be successful or not. Uh, sort of skimming through earlier today that he, he struggled at his, his first club, Goody Cruz, but got uh, Argentinos Juniors up and has been in Vélez uh, ever since then. And uh, Vélez are a relatively well-known club in sort of South America, at least they're not quite a, a powerhouse but they've produced a number of interesting young players but it's regardless feels like a bit of a risk it'd be quite funny if Leon has the Brazilian and, and Marseille has the Argentinian it would sort of help spice up that rivalry a little bit extra but he has a lot of similar points to the other one he does have a bit more uh, managerial experience like we say but it is in Argentina so you you take that with a, a pinch of salt at least he has had a lot of experience in in European clubs you know it's not just that great Manchester United team that he was in um, under Sir Alex Ferguson he was under a good Real Madrid team as well as a, a solid enough Marseille team when they were challenging um, at the top end of the table as well so He's got plenty of experience on his book. He did win Liga whilst at Marseille. Um, so it, it, there's a lot of knowledge in there. It's whether he can combine it together and if he is someone that comes. Because I, I think if I'm Frank McCourt, I, I go all guns blazing at trying to get Rafa Benitez, I think. Because we all know that he's got a, a release clause that would be available and he's technically out of contract this this summer, I believe, or maybe in the final year of his contract, at least. Anyway, they, I know they're having negotiations that have taken a while with with Mike Ashley. So he's a, a manager with great experience with um, big teams, European teams. He had a great time at Valencia, where he won the league. Had a great time at, at Liverpool. He's been at clubs like Inter Milan and and Real Madrid and and Napoli. He's the kind of profile manager that Marseille fans will be be drawn to. He might be someone that. Can you you know we'll we'll play young players we'll we'll build with we can do miracles with a thinner squad. Look at how Newcastle have been this season. Arguably, a lot of those players are Championship players, but they finished comfortably in the Premier League in the end. And you have to think that this Marseille squad is finished pretty low this season. It looks like it's going to be finishing no higher than fifth, really. But can he maximise those talents a little bit? Can he get the most out of those players? Which is what you're seeing from, for example, a Christophe Galtier or a Jean-Louis Gasset at Saint-Étienne or even a Michel Desicarian at Montpellier. He's getting the maximum out of the players he's got. And Benitez is a perfect person to have that one. And 
the link to the club can be let's bring in a, a someone like uh, of a profile of the height so as, as an assistant coach underneath him it, he is is that something of an option a succession plan something in motion that gives them a bit of a sense of control because the positive of Rafa Benitez as well is that he'd like a little bit of control over transfers, but he's been used to restrictions before. So giving him a little bit more of a lead will hopefully bring a lot of quality into the team. He, he seems like the ideal person to try and go if he can be convinced uh, to come, but it's going to be an interesting summer nonetheless for Marseille and, and they'll be doing plenty of it. And it's some interesting tidbits around Liga. And I know you, particularly wanted to talk about this one, Jez, because you've probably had a good smile about this um, this afternoon because the news that broke that PSG president Nasser Al-Halaifi is under formal investigation for corruption after allegedly trying to buy the 2017 World Athletics Championships. Um, Supposedly, according to Le Parisien, that um, he's got no intentions of resigning regardless of things and and enjoys a a full confidence and support of Qatar. Um, But it is... uh, from some people's perspective, at least, Jez, a, a, a blemish on his name that uh, maybe felt like it was always kind of due without saying too much legally. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's one of those things you read it and kind of think you sort of raise your eyebrow, but, think, but it doesn't really surprise me. And, you know, not, nothing to do with him personally, but again, as you said, at, at risk of. Trying not to get into trouble or anything. I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to find that Qatar's sudden sort of um, appearance on the scene and, and getting all these high-profile sporting occasions and um, you know, obviously they've got they've got the money anyway. But to go from sort of uh, no kind of reputation either within you know, playing sport or hosting sport to suddenly be being central players. I don't think it's too much of a shock um, to hear that possibly it wasn't all done entirely above board. Um, and obviously, al being so involved in, in all of these, uh, I was going to say affairs, but um, all of the sort of sporting business that Qatar have been involved in in recent years, uh, I guess it stands to reason that, that if there was anything dodgy going on, that there was a chance he'd be implicated. So, I mean, I was gonna, doesn't exactly have a bad effect on PSG's reputation because effectively that is PSG at the moment. So it, it kind of comes with it. Either you accept PSG for what they are or you don't. I don't think anyone's going to go, oh, well, this has happened. So now I'm turned off PSG sort of thing. Um, I think it just kind of comes with the territory. The only thing that I would say is if I was the Emir, I would kind of, jump on this as an excuse to, to get rid of him and, and bring someone in who actually knows about football and might make some decisions that helps the club rather than um, fills up my little scrapbook of Neymar that's in my bedroom. But um, I, I think that I don't think anything's going to change. I think he's sort of so central to the to the PSG project, but all of the, the Qatari sporting projects, um, again, for better or for worse, I think maybe to be fair to him, he does come across as sort of very charming. He's got the language, he's got the sort of suave sophistication. So he probably does more good than harm for them. But um, just um, as I said before, I'm not sure overall that he's good for PSG. Um, but I don't expect anything to change unless it, you know, higher authorities force it to change. But I don't, I don't think that will happen. Yeah, that's the that's the sort of difficult catch twenty two of this really that. Um, if they did want to replace him, the Qataris, who do they get in, really? I mean... Leonardo and Maxwell. Yeah, but the, the the funny thing is, though, that they sort of, they want a presence of, a, of, of someone that's part business, part with the football club, don't they? It's it's it's, a, it's an interesting balancing act. They want someone that that represents them within the football club, a, a Qatari name, you know, it, it's someone that isn't ever present for that side of things. So, even if they were to replace him with, like I say, you'd like to say Leonardo or something like that, and a Maxwell as a as a sporting director or something like that, um, they would still have someone that would be an intermediary, maybe as a CFO, a, a, a sort of business side of things, um, uh, still doing that. And to have that, have someone in within their thing that can speak the French that that Nessa El Halifi can, that regardless of sort of his motives and other things, that 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 has been pretty impressive, really, from from the off, but. 
it will feel depending on how the investigation goes because do preface this with all legal proceedings have to be confirmed and, and all investigations there's no there's only allegations and and investigations at the moment there's no actual um, criminality or any convictions being held towards him so we should always treat it as such but if it does come to light then then it does put Qataris at a question because the problem will be for not just for for him but for the club will be much like we've seen with Manchester City this past week the the great sort of journalistic stuff that Rob Harris has been doing in questioning Guardiola that will sort of maybe fall at the feet of Thomas Tuchel in the next you know months or so if, if maybe Dan, Danny Murphy will come in to say things yeah <laughs> well I'm trying to think of a French um the, uh, the, a similarity to Danny Murphy, but uh, maybe they're, hopefully they're not quite as brain dead. Um, but it, it'd be interesting to see how that affects the sporting side of things because that's I think that's something they're not thinking of at, at this moment in time. You know, I, I'm pretty certain Tuchel won't be wanted to face those questions. But when you get the questions of of the integrity of your paymasters, it starts being a, a little bit un- more uncomfortable for for some of these that are just trying to focus on the uh, sports side of things, which you can understand, but. Uh, it, uh, to some people, dirty money is dirty money. They know that that's maybe being a little bit harsh on things that haven't been fully convicted on, at least. Anyway, final bit of news before we move on to some games, because there's been tidbits here and there in Liga, and an interesting one that I, I, we've seen this week has been a bit uh, of an enjoyable because it's quite a nice kit, but they've also changed Badgett, one of the first uh, Liga clubs to have a real radical change really a lot of teams have had nice sort of upgrades but this is very much on the Juventus route should I say Jez it did remind me at least of the Juventus badge what's what's your take on this and and the sort of rebranding of the club is this because it doesn't just feel like any other club that's uh, sort of changing their badge it looks like not trying to maybe change their image a little bit maybe freshen up for the new age and it's it's caused a little bit of a stir online at least yeah, first of all, I think the kit is absolutely fantastic. Um, I think it's a really nice way to sort of subtly bring the, the, the yellow and green stripes, which um, are synonymous with some of the great non-teams back, but it's, it's not too blatant. I think it's a really nice kit. But yeah, for the logo, I'm, just, I'm not sure. I mean, the Juventus, I think that must be the sort of model that they're after. But first of all, I don't think Juventus fans are particularly happy with the change either. Um, and secondly, with the best one in the world, non-armed Juventus. And I think Juventus, in a way, can sort of c- claim there aren't many teams that I, that I can think of or clubs in the world that start with J. So I think it's it's a bit easier for, for Juventus to sort of, um, you know, almost kidnap that letter and make it theirs. I think... There's, you know, just in England that you can think of a few ends that would, would claim that they're at least as big as as Nantes. There's even another one who've got the same nickname and the same colours, incidentally. So uh, I, I think it's harder for them to, to try to make ends synonymous with Nantes around the world. And I, I don't think they need to. I think maybe they're, they're trying a little bit too hard. Certainly within France, they really are a hugely respected club. They're, they're up there as possibly second or third in terms of most titles won in their history. Um, the two or three of the of their their former league and winning sides are are among the, the greatest and well most well respected sides in history in in French history. There's, for example, the team in the mid nineties who only won one match all season. There's 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 a non school. There's a non football school which people associate with. You know, attractive, short, quick passing football. So I think they've got enough about their identity that I don't think we really need to to resort to. Not class, that's a bit too strong, but such a sort of blatant attempt to to I don't know associate the letter N with nonce as, as they've done in the in their logo. I just think, as I said, that the, the the heritage that they've got. The kit they've got, the stadium is a little bit up in the air at the moment, but the fans they've got, I just don't think they, they needed to do it. But overall, the kit is so nice that I'm assuming that people will still ignore the logo and very much buy the kit. Yeah, I, I, I'm happy with the 
kit at least anyway i just there's sometimes with the modernizing of badges i mean the the, the difficult thing i think for, for for football clubs that they seem to forget sometimes is they yes modernizing is important and, and i think sometimes modernizing your badge to a degree is is pretty important at, at times improving what the, the status on the field where improving the sort of moving with the times I, I remember probably the most specific ones you can think of is a lot of the big english teams you think of arsenal's change of badge they, they really quite work and, and some of recently going ones i think i think Collins badge is a, is a good improvement i think leo's badge is, is is a nice improvement but at the same time the important thing i think of a of a, of a club crest especially is that at some point they should be sort of uh, kind of icon uh, iconographic, shouldn't they? You think of all the big teams, even in France. You think Saint Etienne, Marseille's badge, Le- Lyon's badge, PSG's badge. Now as well, you would maybe add to that list and, and Monaco's. They're, they're straight away recognisable to teams that aren't just from France, but from across the country. And I just feel Nantes is a, a bit. I was really disappointed with Juve's. I think Juve's new badge is an atrocity to be fair compared to their old badge but uh, this is the same thing for me it's it's too much of a thing i think you could have made a much nicer um crest with with using the yellow and green using um the fc not you you know generally modernize it i I don't like this new sort of style where they where they try and do minimalistic styles of of just using letters it's i'm not a fan at all this it's something that no doubt will be by by non in five years time they might look back at it and, and change it again and that's sometimes the problem with clubs nowadays is changing things for the sake of change like uh, Toulouse's badge is quite nice now it, it, again that links back to the history and and looks uh, but at the same time still looks more modern it, it just it doesn't doesn't click with me it might might just be a, a bugbear of a of mine at least anyway on to the football I think, just, I think it's just a little bit like you know, just talking about Ecolifey and, and uh, Pablo Marquita that was in the news this week for, for not great reasons as well, associated with Salah. But again, just just wish, concentrate on the football. <laughs> the rest will come if you're doing well in the football. We don't need to worry so much about the commercial aspects because I think you know, the winning team will get fans and will get shirt sales and the rest of it. But if you've got the great commercial, again, leading to, I guess, United over the last couple of years, you can have all the commercial success you want, but the fans would rather have trophies. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes that's a little bit lost on some of these clubs that are chasing the carrot that's ahead of them. Let's get back to football because I'm sure people are bored of me, <laughs> me moaning about badges. Let's get into our interesting games of, of, of Liga. And there's only a, really a couple left. A lot of things at the top of the table has been sorted, done and dusted and into the cabinet for this season. But things at the bottom of the table aren't completely done. We're skipping Monaco's game because realistically a seven goal swim where Con and Amion both have to win is pretty unlikely so we're going to say that Monaco are just about safe but admittedly things can happen but we'll go with Amion first who are facing bottom side gang up tomorrow Jess um it's a massive game for them a point may not be enough because of goal difference they have a um um at the moment, they're minus 22, Connor minus 24. But for example, if if uh, Amion got a point and Con managed to win their game by three goals, they would jump above them. So a point may not be enough. They might need a win in the end at this one, which puts a little bit of added pressure onto it. But they have been in okay form, at least. Anyway, like we've mentioned, they've, they've drawn a lot of games, but just not won them. But regardless, if they can manage to stay in league for another season for Amion, that's... It's, a real achievement. I mean, people outside of France might not realise how small Amiens are compared to a lot of these Ligue 1 clubs, but if they could manage to nudge ahead against a, a con side that have been, for example, have been in for, for several years now and a, and a gang up side that have managed to stay in the league for a, a considerable amount of time, it'd be, it'd be a real achievement. Yeah, definitely. A, a lot of people, me included, didn't think that they would, they would stay up last year. Um, in the end, I think they were relatively comfortable. Um, and they, they played decent football along the way, um, probably more so last year with the, the likes of Kuta sort of pulling the strings. But I think with with a, a small squad, um, small everything, I guess, small stadium, the distractions last year of, of issues with the stadium as well, 
I think they've I think they've probably made a lot of friends, and I don't think they'd be undeserving of staying up. Um, it's, it must be a frustration to them that, that, that they seem to struggle to win matches, but at the same time, they make themselves very hard to beat. You look at the their recent record; they haven't won since early March, but they've only lost two, and one of them was a, a sort of close defeat at Nantes, and the other one last week, frankly, I think was daylight robbery in more ways than one at Monaco. So they should be confident of certainly at home to, to the bottom team of, of getting at least a point. But as you said, the, the crucial thing is can they sort of make sure that it's in their own hands by getting getting the three points. And they've certainly got the ability to and that they won at Gandalf earlier in the season. It's just whether they can get those get those goals to you know, if you feel if they if they can score one or two Gandalf aren't gonna score uh, aren't gonna score more than that, they should be okay. But um yeah, the slight concern is that, that that they are struggling to score in recent weeks as well. Yeah, and the the slight concern sometimes is when you are facing a team that's already down. It's a it's a funny feeling. You you almost automatically in your head go, well, this should be three points we get. This is a team that's not good enough to stay in the league. But at the same time, uh, they've got nothing to play for. They also some of them know it's their last game in league on for potentially a long while, or have a summer in front of them where they want to put themselves in the shop window at least one last time. Uh, and and show what they're all about. So it can sometimes be this kind of tricky game. And if they they were to go in that relegation playoff, I know they can't be automatically relegated. That's mathematically mathematically safe in, in from that point of view. But from sort of March, where we thought that uh, they're winning its niece, just the the sort of end of February, we thought right, okay, they they may be just about safe, and they kept having those games, didn't they? They, they drew with the Rance, they won with Neiman. At that point, we thought well. I, well they're going to be able to drag themselves out with there, but they just kept drawing after that. They admittedly some good draws against Santa Tien, against Montpellier, against Strasbourg. They're decent draws. Their only defeat came against Nantes, but nil-nil against Angers and nil-nil against Dijon, nil-nil against Toulouse. It's a bit not quite pushing themselves over the line. I know it was disappointing the weekend, and like you say, Jez, that was a a pretty lucky win in all honesty for from Monaco. But Ramion had two really good chances as well. I think one when it was still 1-0, uh, Musa Kanate hit, hit it wider, uncharacteristic of him. But uh, yeah, the, I think they need some goals in this one. If they can find the target and find the target early, it's going to settle the nerves and and uh, make sure that they, they get themselves over the line against a, a gang up side that have been in the news this week, even though they are kind of the, the the odd man out in this relegation battle, at least now, having been already relegated, because Jocelyn Govanet will not be continuing with the club next season. Just, is it a little bit of a surprise in the sense that when Govanet was appointed, we, we all mentioned that maybe this was an idea of looking towards League 2 next season, or do you feel that maybe he's looking at it saying that while I couldn't keep them up and, and couldn't get results to turn around, that maybe he is a league manager and league there would be too much of a step back for him i think it might be that um he's kind of at a bit of a crossroads in his career at the moment because he did so well gank on first time round started off well at bordeaux and then 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 it went a little bit wrong and gank on this time it's difficult to judge at one point it really did look like he was going to pull them out of it and then it, it was, i guess went wrong again so uh, yeah, I suppose you have to, he has to have the sort of confidence to feel that yes, he's definitely a league and coach. And I think that's probably a fair thing to say. Um, and, and possibly he's thinking it's, it's, yeah, it's not the time to go, go down a division. Uh, even if, it, even if it means bringing them up again next year, maybe it's kind of underselling himself. If he doesn't bring them up next year, then it's certainly putting him, uh, I guess putting him in a, in a in a second division of, of managers, and that he's not going to get another big job. So I, I can understand him wanting to to make himself available for any any uh, top flight jobs that become available, um, and there could well be some. But um, they're going quickly. I mean, I you know he's another ex Marseille player. It wouldn't be I guess beyond the realms of possibility that he could go there, and I think that he could do a good job. But um, I assume that they're, they're maybe looking for a bigger name than him. Hmm. Yeah, and it's an interesting one, isn't it? It's it, sort of a crossroads for both clubs. I mean, 
do Gangon feel like they're a club that can bounce straight back given the 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 quality and leader and the the fact that other tides have have really struggled um to come back and met sort of <laughs> may, maybe not affirming the the classic yo-yo club but but can Gangon be the the side that that has the strength to come back up or are they looking at some of these teams like that have had decent stays in in Liga and have struggled to sort of come back up immediately i mean you look at the table this season Lorient have been in for the past couple of seasons uh, were a mainstay Toire, maybe another sort of bounce backy sort of uh, uh, club but Nancy almost went down this season they almost had to be in the, the relegation playoff place uh, I know Gazlec are a much smaller club but they're obviously in the relegation playoff place themselves they they, they will have to fight out between the national side so it, it can sort of change very quickly it's, it's not always the easiest division that, that some people expect even though you would think that there would be a bit more of a, a money dis balance given that Liga and Liga 2, it can be such a difference but it's whether they think that like I say if if Govanek's the right man for them it, I, I agree with you I think that maybe he's thought that's maybe a step too down for him so maybe they've sort of admitted together that, that maybe he's he's not the right man for the job but there's going to be probably a number of players go from the squad I mean you look at they'll probably not keep Gillibodji on he's probably on a, a decent fair amount of money for, for league Deux standards. Do they keep a bow or a bow or maybe he gets a, a move away. The young players like Blair and, 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 and uh, Coco will probably be looked for moves, even though they've not been particularly great, but you know, names can get you pretty far in league. Deux. Sometimes you think of even some of the experienced players like Benazé, if he can say fit and Doe, maybe have a look away. The Turam is, is almost certainly going to be on the move somewhere. At least, uh, Roddy Rodland is a player that could be useful for some league clubs, even though he's not been great this season. Maybe this is the time where Nolan Root does decide to go down with the league Deux team, but, um, it, it will be interesting. Cause like, like I mentioned during the, the Amion bit, the, They've got nothing to lose, at, uh, at least. And, and a couple of those players that I've mentioned, or even a couple I haven't, will be wanting to put themselves in the shop window, at least, to say, hey, any team going, coming up from Ligue 2, any team that's uh, around the mid-table of Ligue 1, I have something to offer your club, really, because that's the only thing they can do, which makes it a little bit more difficult than Mamion maybe want it to be. But uh, regardless of that, Jez, let's get some predictions. What do you think the score will be? Um I just, I just wanted to quickly mention another little subplot actually as well because um, in terms of strikers, there's going to be probably Jurassic against uh, Turan, and they've both been named as reserves for the um, uh, under-21 Euros. So they haven't made the squad, but I assume that they'll both be wanting to impress Silvan Lippo in case anyone pulls out, any striker pulls out of the first-team squad. So that's just a little subplot. Um, in terms of the result, I think I said on Monday that of the bottom three, if there were anywhere I thought maybe there wouldn't be a home win, it would be this one. But I still think Amiens should have enough. I think there'll be a bit of a scare, but I'm going to say 2-1 to Amiens. I'm going to go one or draw for, for, for this one. I, I, I agree with you, Jez. This may be out of the three. The favourable one for the team that's not in the relegation zone, at least, or they're, well, they technically are in the relegation zone, but at least in not in this three-way fight, at least anyway, in terms of um, for the relegation playoff place in a sense. And I just feel that Amion will just squeeze over the line. I don't think necessarily we'll mention them in a moment. But I don't know if Con will get the result they need, but on to that game because Con Bordeaux is is sure to be a slugfest of the. Lowest order, really, maybe is the best way of putting it, because Con have been, admittedly, while sluggish and, and, and fighting tooth and nail, they have been getting the results they've needed, bar the defeat to, to Leon last weekend, where Leon kind of played to their station, even though that Con had a couple of chances before they scored and a couple of sloppy goals, and admittedly, their scoreline was run up when Con were absolutely just going for broke and trying to get themselves kind of back into the game, but uh, they've given themselves a lifeline on the last day. They're in a, a good position, at least anyway, than they were a couple of weeks ago when we thought they, well, a couple of months ago when we thought they were dead and buried, really. But it's possibly even an ideal game for them, really. But regardless, if they, if they do manage to get us, I, I, I think you, you, you agree with this, Junge. I think if they do stay up and if they do manage to claw back Amion and stay up automatically, uh, they need to erect a statue of Bree Samba, don't they? I, I think so. I, I think that they should 
uh, go back to last Sunday night and, and cancel Mbappe's Player of the Year award and give it to Samba because I think um, you know, the, those those wins against Monaco and Nice were pretty much both of them needed someone to score at the other end, but they were outplayed in both matches and it was Samba that that, that secured them three points. Um, in other matches through the season, he's been great. I mean, even last week they lost four 0 but he saved the penalty in the first half. And you know, I think uh, at halftime Leon probably were a little bit rattled and, and can't um, probably could have aspired to, to a better result than, than an ultimate four 0 defeat. And yeah, I think if it wasn't for Samba, they'd have been better buried long ago. Yeah, and put out. He also put out an absolute cracking save in the first half as well. I, I do want to mention it again. I think I mentioned it on Mondays, but uh, it sort of it was a shot very early on. I think it was Depay as well, and it was he was almost diving past it. It took a slight deflection. It was coming to him, and it, it sort of narrowed it towards him. And he managed to move his right hand from being almost a full dive to to right underneath him to scoop it away and still keep it out of play um, and away from the attacking areas. It was an excellent save and. You're absolutely right, Jess. They, they would have been dead and buried without him. I mean, you can imagine some of these games could have been three or four before they even had the chance to get them up. But, and this is the thing. Con have got some good players. I know Frederick Gilbert, obviously, although he's obviously on his way in the in the summer. He's technically an Aston Villa player now, so it, he, he's going to get an interesting move that possibly might be even Premier League, depending on, on Monday's game as well. So he'll hope to try and get out on a, on a, on a high for them because I know the fans have, have enjoyed him. They've got experienced players like Bice and, and GQ is a relatively experienced league on player. They've got, I think, Fakio Far has probably been the other spark the last couple of weeks with a couple of goals and a couple of assists. He's maybe been a, bit, a tad fortunate on a few of them, but he's added a little bit of something. They've got a couple of goals from Ninga. They've got a couple of goals from Crivelli. It's just they've just had a couple of players come to the fore when they've absolutely needed them, and that's kept them afloat, really. But <laughs> admittedly, they're facing one hell of a sinking ship at the moment, really, in Bordeaux. I mean, I don't think we could have thought things could have got worse when the, when the sort of farcical of the Ricardo era came to an end. They looked like they weren't going to get Palo Sosa, and then they did get Palo Sosa, and it started off okay. They got didn't get any massive results until that win against Marseille. But since then, six straight defeats, three games without a goal, four out of the last six, they've failed to score. Um, admittedly, in between there, there was that game against Lyon where they probably should have won. But in disciplining games, there's been a couple of red cards and they uh, struggled in f- the fact that they've struggled so bad in front of goal against team, uh, admittedly against teams like Raz is not so bad and, and Leo, but Angers as well. It's, Real worrying that out of all the clubs this season, maybe other than Toulouse, this is a club that needs a. Oh, this might be a point to argue, Jess. Do you think that Bordeaux might be the club that needs the biggest rebuild this summer? The biggest what? Sorry. Rebuild this summer. Uh, possibly. I mean, I still, in a way, I still think the 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 big clubs. Um, PSG, Lyon, Marseille, Monaco arguably need the biggest rebuilds. But Bordeaux, I mean, they kind of do, but I, I guess just because they're not so high profile and you, not, you don't think that they're going to be able to replace them with big stars to change things that that drastically, maybe that that's why I'm sort of discounting them. But something seems wrong all the way through the club. And I thought Sosa was a good appointment. As you said, he started okay. Um, only one win, but tightening up a lot in defence, not looking harder to beat. And I really thought they finished the season well, but kind of for the reason that you said about Gangler. They sort of had a free pass to, you know, they were basically safe and they really could have, it was a good chance for, for Sosa to, to experiment and for the, for the team to play relatively freely and really show what they've got. And if that is what they're doing, then they've, they've shown that they've got very little. And again, they're another team that, that on paper, have two or three pretty talented young players. Um, they've got Costil, who we know is a very good keeper. Um, Rion, who's not going to be prolific, but you know, that does does a, a good job of, of leading the line, working hard. I think it's quite an unsung job that, that, that he's he's sort of done for a lot of his career actually. Um, and however poor they are, they're, they're certainly they shouldn't be 
six straight defeats, Paul. Um, so it really feels like that it's more than actually, isn't it? So, mm. um, so uh, that something needs to change, but I, I, you know, I can't see Sosa leaving already this summer. Um, I can't even remember what, what, what stage you're at with the ownership, whether they were bought out by the Americans or not. They, they need to invest. They need to bring in a couple of decent players. I was going to say stars, but the problem is it's a bit of a vicious circle. Who's going to want to go there at the moment? Unless they can do what they did a couple of years back and discover another Malcolm that can kind of give the whole, the whole club a lift then it's, you struggle to see how and where they're going to improve that much. Um, you'd expect maybe players like Kunde to leave, Brion's going to be another year older, Placil has obviously been in and out, in and out of the, the team this year as it's gone, but you know, unless he's staying behind the scenes, it's another experienced head that, that, that's gone. It, you mentioned Toulouse, and obviously it's kind of a little bit of a, a derby, a rivalry between them as well, but they definitely... There are similarities. They just—it feels like both teams should be doing so much better than they are, and it's difficult to, to put the finger on exactly what it is that's going on there. But Bordeaux is particularly sad because, again, they, they do have such a good, rich heritage of playing good football, winning titles, and this is this is such a such a poor team and a team that you wouldn't necessarily want to watch given the choice. And it's a shame. I said before that I think possibly one of the biggest mistakes they made was bidding with those white seats in the stadium because it's so clear when when there's practically no one there we can Yeah, and I think the 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 point as well is that the problem they're going to have is a couple of these players aren't going to be particularly sellable. I know that Caramo is going to probably head back to Inter Milan and and they'll make a decision from there whether anyone will sign them from there is a is a problem for them, but. Kalu's had a pretty disappointing season after a lot of promise. Kamano scored 10 goals, but a lot of those are, are early on, and he's been not kicked on in the way it looked like he would do. Uh, Josh Madger's had a bit of an injury that's sort of curtailed him as soon as he got a goal, so it's a bit unfortunate for him, and he's one for, for next season. Basic has been decent in this run. He's probably the only one who's come out with a bit of credit, really. Um, I'm looking at the sort of defence, and, and Koundé's not had the greatest of time. Ivanovic has been pretty dreadful but uh, the the main critic I wanted to bring out quickly was it was Pablo who's been linked to, with a, a number of big clubs last summer a number of European chasing clubs and I, if you based it on the evidence of this season I wouldn't know why he looks slow um, he's been incredibly stupid in a couple of the red cards he's had it's not professional fouls where it's it, he's been sent off really it's been bitsy handbags kind of things and that's not what you want from a centre-back that should be your leader really and I think that typifies what Bordeaux have been this season which is disappointing um, and so bad that they've had to kind of lash out at times and he's been particularly dreadful over this run but so is pretty glad that he's actually suspended for a reasonable amount of time because of the red cards he's accumulated because the, the, the Getting annoyed is one thing, and you can get annoyed at your teammates, but petulance is something I can never understand. And once, okay, twice is is pretty ridiculous, but three times is abhorrent, really. And um, maybe someone they should be looking to shift out, and a number of these players maybe should be um, looking to shift out in the summer. But onto the actual game itself, at least, Jez, what do you think the score will be? Um. I think you, you you alluded to it earlier. I'm mean, going to guess you're going to say two 0 and I'm torn between two 0 and three 0 I think you'd think leading up to this week that you just said if any team could handpick their opponent, it would be uh, Amiens and be Gagan at home. But actually, you'd probably pick Bordeaux right now. And I think Kai last week was a blip, and even then it was only a sort of half match blip. Um, but they have been in really good form recently. Bordeaux have been woeful, and I think Kai win relatively comfortable is just a question of whether it's going to be 2-0 or 3 but I will say I'll go 3-1 <laughs> mm. so, yeah I'm going to go 3-1 well, I'm actually going 2-1 I, I think that this is a classic game of something Con will maybe think is in the bag and then in the last five minutes Bordeaux get that surprise goal that effectively relegate it will puts them in the relegation playoff at least anyway and, and disappoints them really because 
I just feel like the Cone are a team that can run away from someone at the moment. That's probably their their only problem. I was thinking a one nil or a two one and two one sounds like it's it's just about perfectly poetic for them really to to go out and and they've got an interesting game depending on who they end up facing in that that playoff, whether it be uh, Lons or, or whether it be uh, um, Twile. Obviously, Lons came through their their game against. Uh, Paris FC the other night, so it's interesting if they can sort of come, commit to that. And thank God we're not going to have that ball fest if, if, it, was, <laughs> if it was going to be Con or, or 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 Paris FC. But we shall wait and see. At least anyway, uh, on to the final game, and we've kind of alluded to unfortunately they've maybe not got enough hope. But where where there's a will, there's a way at, at Dijon at least against uh, uh, Toulouse. It's been a, a tough season for them, really, what, an unexpected one, really, but. I think the interesting thing to talk about, Jez, in this one is in the situation where Dijon do go down, the positive for them at least is if they if some of these players that have maybe not been as good this season stay and, and, and play like they can play, they could be candidates to come straight back up. Or on the other side of the coin, I suppose, is that teams will remember how they can play and, and offer them a decent amount of money for them. So probably compared to a lot of teams down there, at least for, for them, there's hope that next uh, next season either will be somewhere where they can rebuild properly, or or somewhere where if the players do stay, that if they can get the right, if Kumbar is the right coach, get them properly managed and, and back into a, a, an organised form and back into the groove of winning games rather than losing them, that they they could be a contender in league two next season. Yeah, I think that that that's definitely a team that, that should have the capacity to to go back up. Again, I suppose there's always the caveat. Anyone who, who stays or goes, but um, I, as you said, you look at that team. It was Tavares who finished last season so well and started this season actually quite well. Marie, who I remember, I think he scored a blinding goal. Was he against PSG? I can't remember. That there's players there who just underperformed overall this year. So there's there's two ways of looking at it. Either you remember those, those times that they played really well, or you think well. Maybe that was the flash in the pan, and, and this season is, is the norm. So I suppose it depends. It's a judgment call for other teams. But if they do keep the team together and, and they can play even close to the, the best of their ability, then then they definitely should be contenders next year. Obviously, the, the real problem is they shouldn't even be contenders next year because, frankly, I think that they're really disappointed that, that they're in this position. They shouldn't. I don't think they had one of the three worst teams in the league and they really should have done better. I'm still not sure that they'd have been in this position ultimately if they'd kept Dalolio for the whole season. That's nothing against Conduare, but I just think that Dalolio over the course of the whole season, I think probably would have got them um, sort of understanding each other and playing good football again and, and um, sort of pulled them out of the situation they were in. Um, as it is, I think Conduaro is probably one of the one of the most popular players in or coaches in French football. I think a lot of people remember him fondly, even at PSG, sort of on the, on the cusp of the, of the QSI era, and possibly being ditched a little bit too quickly then. So I think you know, he has a lot of um, goodwill, but it's it's very hard to argue that Dijon don't be don't deserve to be in the position they're in and. and over the course of the season, I think it's only justice should they be relegated. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean, we were talking before and about Moulin's new contract at uh, Angers. It's been extended to 2022, which is great credit to him. But it's it's an admission that when it comes to sticking or twisting, more often than not, teams tend to to twist to intend to sack their managers you look at all the teams around the bottom Gangon got rid of Kumbara themselves Dijon got rid of um, got rid of Delolio in the end Cole sort of didn't half twisted in the terms that they brought uh, Corbis in they, they, they kind of um, at least strength wise for the manager half twisted it, it, it sort of usurped him a little bit Monaco panicked and they, they twisted and it's just about worked out for them but it happens across Europe. They do that, and nine times out of ten, it doesn't really work unless you've got exactly the right manager. And I'm thinking maybe a, a Southampton where a Ralph Hassan who sort of fell into their laps and um, got them out of trouble. That that was just because they got someone that maybe was 
not trying to insult Saints fans, but a little bit above their station, at least where they were stood at that point in time. But it shows that in that Angers model that sometimes sticking and sometimes having that problem works. I mean, your club, Jez, I know they obviously ended up sacking Hooten in the end, but at the same time, he sticking by him until the end of the season was the right decision because by hook or by crook, he did keep them up. And sometimes that's the important thing to do. And we'd mentioned it a few times when Dijon looked like they were going to get rid of Delalio that maybe it's not the right decision. Maybe you don't forget about the good time that he had last season because they can happen again because they hadn't lost anyone really that summer. That's the, that must be the real frustrating thing. I mean, we mentioned before, Rosier will probably almost certainly stay in Liga on this season. I can't imagine him um, heading to Liga if they were to go down. But we've we've talked about a few of these players. I mean, Sleety and and Quan and and uh, Saman Mitaro and Amalfitano as well are, are decent players. Balmont probably would go down with them, but these are all players that could that could do a job in Liga and would certainly do a job in in Liga next season. Tavares and Saeed as well are people that could get goals in the lower division so they could keep yeah, plays Chano, together Chano as well, yeah. yeah exactly when he can manage to get the field more than anything poor poor Chano. but um they've certainly got players there that would keep them back up but again if league league and what players can manage to convince a couple of them to come cheaply because I'm, I'm thinking of a player exactly uh, specifically i'm thinking of quan because i think he's an excellent player but sometimes these knee injuries take a year to come back from really just as much as the injury takes so much out of your career where it looked like he was going to be at the world cup this summer he only came back a sort of january time and it sometimes takes that six to eight months to really recover the fitness and the belief and the the confidence and you can just imagine a player like that getting a goal at another club and springing up again a bit like i know jess you'll be Again, experience this sort of a, of a mole. I know he obviously did a lot better in that relegation season at Mets than 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 some. But at the same time, the the difference he from being a good player at Mets that had uh, some good opportunities and a good player, but he's really been excellent for Montpellier this season. Sometimes looking at taking a risk like that will will really pay off. So uh, the hope for Dijon is people have forgotten about that <laughs> really more than anything, because if they are to go down there, the, then it, they have a real chance of bouncing back up if they can keep these players, but they have a chance in this game, Jez. I mean, they, they've got to lose side that if things go their way, I know it obviously basically relies on Bordeaux pulling something out that they've not done in, in quite some time, but Toulouse are a very funny side this season. We've, we've mentioned a few times that they've sort of been very lackadaisical, but in the last month or so, they beat Nantes, who were on, uh, went on a roll after that. They lost to Montpellier, drew with Lille, which is a pretty good result, really. They, they then lost 2-0 to Saint-Étienne, and they drew with 2 all with Rennes. The 0-0 the, the draw against Amiens not too bad. They started relatively well against Marseille as well, and then just sort of flustered in the last five minutes or so in that that well, five, ten minutes and they, they capitulated and allowed a couple of extra goals in to make the scoreline look a little bit better for low end. But we've already admitted that Max Langradell has made this side completely different this season and they're already looking to start adding. I know they've been linked with a, the young Paris FC striker that I don't want to pronounce off the top of my head because I can't remember how mm-hmm. it's spelt. So, but um, it, it, they, they've got a footy summer ahead of them and I suppose for some of those players it starts with this game against Dijon because this is their last chance to say stake their claim in the ground and say that I'm worth a damn because I mean you look at some of these players you look at uh, Rene's not had the greatest season since he's moved from from Dijon you think of of uh, Julian who's had a pretty miserable season a lot of the defenders have as well um, they've not quite had the production out of a De Savi or a Dermaz that they would have quite liked uh, alongside uh, Gradel they've Bit, well, they've had nothing out of Corentin Sean and much more, uh, barely a modicum more out of Yaya Sonoga and Aaron Leia which is more picking strikers out from clubs from that have actually touched a bigger club more than anything from the looks of things. But there is a lot of work to do and a lot of these players that I've just mentioned need to try and do something in this final game or they might find themselves out on their ear. I think I mentioned before that you sort of Every season, it feels like you look at Carr at the end of the season and you think, how are they even sitting in contention? I don't remember them winning a match or winning enough matches to even have sort of 30 odd points or whatever they're on. And I, st- I feel like Toulouse are a bit like that as well. You look at their, their results during the season and you know, they started off okay and then there were like no wins from um, sort of mid September to. Um, 
into December. I think that they went at least six months, something like that, without a home winner or a league home win at one point. Then a couple of wins, and then even now, I think they've had is it one win since well, whatever, like two, two wins since January, pretty mm. much. And uh, I don't, I, mean, I suppose it's an indictment on all the teams below them, but they, although they haven't secured safety until recently, they've looked pretty much safe for a while now. And again, I mean, it, you almost think like can't maybe they deserve the punishment of getting relegated to, to kind of put their house in order because it's a good city. It's a good sporting city. Obviously it's mainly, mainly rugby focused, but you know, they've got fans there. They've got a decent stadium. They've been in Niigata for, for several years now. They've produced a really decent, um, some really decent players, made some money out of them. They're, they're possibly the most consistent and disappointing team possibly with, with Bordeaux um, as rivals in, in the division. And frankly, the way they, they are, and they have been for the last few years, it wouldn't be a big loss were we to lose them to, to Leeds, I don't think. And as you said, it's it's almost, ah, I don't know, it's kind of like, like people like Des Lynham going to ITV. Uh, however good they are, when they join ITV, suddenly they become a little bit more average. And players like, Dossavi mentioned, obviously I'm slightly biased, but he was so well at Metz last year, he's been so average this year. Bostock hasn't done much after being the leader player of the season. Players like Julien, I think, just don't want to be there anymore. Amia hasn't kicked on the way that we thought he would do. Um, and you know, the, the good players, if they if they know what's good for them, they should be looking to leave this summer because I just feel like being at Toulouse isn't isn't necessarily good for their career. There's something about that club that seems to drag everyone down to to the average level that the club seems to set for itself. Yeah, it's been a a, a real disappointment for a number of these players, and um, uh, they're and only just to quickly mention. Sorry, Sangare, yeah. who I really think he's a classy player, and I hope that he moves to Sun because I think he can really flourish elsewhere. Yeah, they need to have a good look at this, to be fair. We've mentioned it before. I mean, I don't know how Alan Casanova's kept his seat, but um, it also shows the importance of how a start works. Because that they, I know Dijon obviously went off for a good start, but their three wins um, from August to September, where they were actually third after week four and, and got a couple of draws after that that maintained them in fourth till week six as pretty much carried them throughout the season there's not been yeah, another time not. where they've where they've won more than one game in a row i mean december they beat ras and they beat Lille as well that's probably just about kept them safe because the rest of the season i mean they've won three in 2019 which is is pretty damning as well there's okay they've got a, a fair amount of draws that's maybe just pepped them over the line but as you say jez it's very much a uh, a con scenario, but they need a good look at this in the summer. And and Alan Casanova maybe should be receiving his marching orders come the summer and get s- some structure in. Try and bring some young blood and and, and some league and experience and, and try and rejuvenise this team because they, it absolutely needs a bit of a shot in the arm. And the only well fans will be pretty disappointed as well. The album Lafont might be relegated in a purple team as well if results don't go their way on the final day of the season in, in Serie A for Fiorentina. So it's not going well for anyone in purple at the moment, really. But um, at least they've got another season to fight in Liga and they'll definitely want to be... Well, the fans certainly will be wanting to see a lot different next season. So final predictions on the final game. Um, Jez, um, what do you think the score will be? So I can see Dijon winning this one just because... Toulouse being safe, that you can sort of see them just not caring anymore. So I'd say narrow Dijon win, uh, 1 0. Yeah, I, I'm going to go for a, a, a 1-0 win for Dijon as well. I, I feel like this just feels like there's an importance to this to Dijon and Toulouse kind of wanted to go in the last game, but I don't think they'll really be pulling up much of a fight in this one and Dijon will just be crossing their fingers that maybe Bordeaux can actually give them something to, to fight for on that final day of the season. But it does promise to be pretty entertaining entertaining for you do remember ladies and gentlemen that it's, it is friday night or tomorrow night where we're league on will come to a climax everyone playing in that evening kickoff as usual it's going to be a really interesting fight between those three teams and see who is in league and who has to face that 
relegation playoff and uh, who will go down automatically. That's it for us this evening. My thanks to Jess and all of you listening at home. Uh, do join us for the main show, which will be back next week for the final one of the season in terms of the games and then we'll have another Monday show the week after which will be our end of season award so do tune into that if you've not already voted please do on our Twitter and on our website there is only a couple more days to vote for your 50% part of that vote uh, but for now enjoy your weekend of football <laughs>